0: Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Joey. By the way, you look very sharp, Joey. Very sharp. And uh, thank you for reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. We are just going to take this one verse today, and we are continuing our series, Homeschool. And today, this challenge is for the parents, that you would feed and nourish your children. So we figured on Mother's Day that we would uh, speak of submission to the wives, right? And Joby did a great job. And of course, it was very biblical in what he preached. And so today, teenagers, we figured we'd celebrate your graduation and then we would let the parents have it, right? All right, so with this message. And so truly, uh, parents, we know that you care for your children and that you look after their daily needs, But I hope that you're truly feeding and nourishing your children. You say, well, we're doing that with food and water. You know, if you're like my mom, some of you moms are amazing. Um, You're microwave queens. You know, you work all day, you get home, and and you can cook up a whole meal in the microwave. I really think my mom, if if you tested her, she could do a whole Thanksgiving meal in the microwave, okay? And, you know, you get home and you make it happen, and and, and you want to feed your children. You, You care for them. But we're not just talking about food and water here. We're, we're talking about spiritually feeding your children and nourishing your children. And so today, as we look at feed and, and nourish your children, and if you're taking notes, you can just title it that. Again, from Ephesians 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but rather bring them up in the discipline and the instruction Of the Lord. And although this is aimed at fathers, this can also go for mothers in the home as you are bringing your children up in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Also, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Could it be that our children are spiritually malnourished because they have been fed only scraps of God's grace? While we generously feed them large portions of the law which does not sustain or satisfy their need for sanctification, maybe you just want to see that up on the screen and read it one more time as I continue to talk, but we're good at teaching our children rules to abide by. Hey you do this, you don't do that. Make me proud. Don't upset your dad. Don't hey, this is our family name.'t don't, don't you, you you get it how often are we teaching them about God's grace and the grace that he has extended to you? And and of course, this is dealing with parents who are Christians, who follow Jesus. With no apologies, I say that if you want a marriage how it's intended to be, you follow Christ. If you want to live within a family how it's truly intended to be, you follow Jesus. And we know that that's not always the case and that there's a mixture in the home sometimes. And, and maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and saying, hey, why, why are you attacking me up front? I'm not attacking you. I'm just letting you know God designed the home. He designed you. He designed the family. You want it at its best. You follow Jesus. And it's under his grace. And so we're good at teaching our children rules. And that's kind of what we want to look at today is, are you, are you leading your children by a bunch of rules and expectations? Are you leading them under the grace of God? Very important question as we come to this passage. And fathers are not to provoke their children to anger. This, this provoke means paragizo, which means potter, which means at the point of unto or implying movement toward a certain point. This potter, you're, you're moving in a direction. Okay? So nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with moving in a direction... But it, it, it does matter what this potter is attached to, and it's attached to or a gizzo, which means to anger or to irritate. And that is a problem. Because we're moving our children towards irritation, towards anger, this buildup of meeting these expectations that many of them unrealistic. This potter gizzo. do Do not lead your children, do not provoke them to anger. I don't think that this is truly a desire for any Christian parent. I don't think we want to make our children angry when we raise them under the admonition of the Lord. We, We truly want them to love us. We truly want to love them. We truly want them to be obedient and to follow God's word. But where do we fall short, parents? Where do we fall short? Because parents in this room, you fall short. I fall short as a parent. So let's just go ahead and get that out on the table. We fall short. Now, children, when you hear that, it doesn't mean that you can hold that against your parents because you too fall short. All of us fall short, the glory of God. And so we come under grace and what God has provided for us. So when we see this word provoke, many times you've, you've probably read over this passage several times before. You probably, some of you may have this passage memorized. And when you think of this provoke to anger, you can think of extreme cases. You can say, hey, you know, that, that's looking at abuse. That's looking at neglect, abandonment, you know, setting these unrealistic expectations which children can never meet. That, that's what provoke means, provoking them to anger. And you know what? You're exactly right. I mean, it falls under that. Yeah. I mean, if you're abusing your children physically, yeah, you're provoking them to anger and you're being a terrible parent. Because that's not teaching them under the grace of God. That's them failing to meet your expectations. It angers you. And so you take it out on your child. Or you're frustrated at being a parent. If that's a problem with you right now, let me just go ahead and get this out front. If you're abusing your children physically, verbally and that's a struggle for you right now, and and your children are bearing the brunt of it, or your wife's bearing the brunt of it, or your husband's bearing the brunt of it, come talk to us. We want to meet with you. We want to pray with you. We want to see healing in your life. And I'm not going to pretend that that doesn't happen in a room this big. But if that's a struggle with you, you come and talk with us. But yes, that falls under provoke to anger. Yes, exactly. It does. Sadly, we see many types of abuse. But also we see it as an abuse of God's word, a neglect of God's grace, an abandonment of discipleship and unrealistic expectations of upholding good behavior without Jesus. So we're taking it to a deeper level here, because if you thought you were good when I named those first few and you thought, "Okay, hey, not a problem. I mean, we're good here. But what about these last four? An abuse of God's word that you take it and you twist God's word and you use it against your children, a neglect of God's grace, that you don't show grace in forgiveness, an abandonment of discipleship, that you have neglected discipleship, you have completely abandoned discipleship and you expect that to happen in this house, but it doesn't happen in your house. Or the unrealistic expectations, in which all of us, I believe, fall to this, of upholding good behavior without Jesus. That's teaching your children that they can be good without a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's false. That's false. According to God's word, none is good. No one is good except one. And we will look further into this. Teaching your children that they can be good apart from Jesus is not only unrealistic, it's a lie. You're lying to your children when you hold them to a certain standard of being good and you leave Jesus out of the whole good equation. How will they know what is good? What are you comparing goodness to? When you leave Jesus out, you don't even know what's good. It's moralism. It's teaching that one can be good apart from Christ. Your kids receive the moralism in public school systems. They receive it in private school systems, Just in education. Okay, if, you're, if you're an educator, you're a teacher in here, we appreciate you. thank you for what you do. But the way the church or the school is structured today in many churches absolutely is based on moralism. Hey, everybody's right. Hey, you know, just be good, you know work hard, everything's going to be good. everything's going to turn out right. I mean everything's going to be good for us it doesn't matter what you believe. Hey, let's just you believe this, you believe that. Hey. Now, the Christianity thing, you need to peel back from that a little bit. A little too strong in that area. But hey, let's just all be together here. Okay, let's just be good people. There's a problem with that. Because ultimately, what you think is good and what I think is good is going to collide. So who is good? Jesus. And when you teach good behavior without Jesus, you're teaching just moralism. Just, let's just be good people. And many of you, including myself, were brought up under this. In a culture just like this one we live in, where it's just about being good. You're trying to be good. You you want people to think that you're good. In fact, it's more important to you that people think you're good than how God views you. Maybe that's you right now. That's moralism. And so we continue on. It says not only here, not only is Jesus the standard for what is good, But he is also the Savior that brings us into good standing before God and empowers us through the Holy Spirit to do what is good in the sight of God. There was only one who was ever good that walked this earth, that being Jesus Christ. The only one who was good. We were born into a line, all of us. You want to know your heritage? I find this interesting. Maybe some things I say today can be taken as controversial, but I don't think you're going to mistake it that it's, it's given in love. The whole Michael Sams thing this past week in, in the media and blowing that up and it's huge um, debate of whatever side you stand on. I mean, a, a guy who goes in the seventh round and, you know, the, it's, it's not that he went in the seventh round of the draft. It's that he's a homosexual who's playing in the NFL. And the truth is he's not the only one. It's just he's the only one who's making a big deal about it. And people want to put the question as to where did this all begin? And, and some would say, he was born that way. He says, I have no choice. I was, I was born this way. And, and in some sense, he's right, and in a very big sense, he's wrong. You now, follow with me, okay? Because he was born into a line of homosexuality. Michael Sam was. He was born into a line of homosexuality, but so were you. And so was I. You were born into a line of murderers. You were born into a uh, a line of thieves. You were born into a line of fornicators. You were born into a line of blasphemers. You were born into a line of drunkards. You were born into a line of adulterers. You have an inherent sin nature. You do, I do, all of us. So yes, there are temptations that we face that may be stronger for some that aren't for others, but none of them are more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. That's what we stand on. That's the Bible. Man has failed. We all come from the line of Adam. If you expect that living in the line of Adam and in the shadow of Adam, that somehow God is just going to, Forget all that you have done when you stand before Him in judgment, you're wrong. It's it's not living in the shadow of Adam that's going to bring you salvation. It's living under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what brings you salvation. That is salvation. And so, all of us come under this line of sin. Guess what, parents? Your children come in that line of sin. You don't have to teach them how to disobey you, they get it naturally just as you received it naturally. So we all come under this line of sin, which means that for us to teach our children how to be good, knowing that we come from this line of sinners and you leave Jesus out, it's unrealistic. Your kids are going to fall short every time. They're going to get angry. and You're going to provoke them to that anger. I think this is the deeper issue here when it says do not provoke your children to anger is that you leave Jesus out of the home, you leave Jesus out of your teaching, you leave Jesus out of the standard of your child's life. Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Romans five, twelve: Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Ephesians 2, 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Not only is your child born into a line of sin, just like you, but they are a child of wrath. You say, amen. I believe that. I've seen that around the house, okay? According to God's word, I mean, we just don't, it's not different today than it was then. The word holds true today as well. So maybe this will help you when you hear that this is your child's greatest problem and the greatest need is Jesus. So to try to teach them through all of this, no, they're they're consumed by the flesh from a young age, from birth. Jesus was goodness and we did what we do to all goodness. We slaughtered him. That's what we do with good. We tear it apart. We ruin it. That's why we can't have nice things, right? Because we tear it apart. And Jesus was good. He was murdered on the cross. Now, that was necessary for our sins, for him to give his life on the cross, for his blood to be poured out. The law of God... The most beneficial doctrine of life cannot advance humans on their way to righteousness, but rather hinders them. Martin Luther. So understand, if you take the Ten Commandments and you say, okay, you need to abide by these rules, and you teach them just as rules, guess what? Your kid is going to fail in them all. He's going to fail all the commandments, just as you have failed all the commandments. We cannot uphold them. The the, the law is meant to show us that we can't do it. That someone has to do it for us. When your children say, I can't do it. You have to do it for me. Well, there's one thing you cannot do for your kids. And that's uphold the law for them. But Jesus Christ did. He upheld the law for them so that they did not have to be bound by sin any longer. I remember... My friend, Bobby, he lived on the other side of the fence. We met when we were like four years old. I was wandering around in the backyard and came to a chain link fence, and he was on the other side. We got to know each other. He was a year older than me, and I liked to go play in Bobby's yard. He'd play in my yard, and then I'd go over to his house. He'd come over to my house. We were good buddies, and, man, it was awesome. It was good friendship at a young age. And I remember going into his house, and on the refrigerator, they had something that was really neat it was this colorful poster board and it had all these lines on it and then lines that went this way and then it had their names on there and then it had these stickers and there were smiley face stickers that were blue and red and yellow and green. And I was like, Bobby, what is this? And he said, man, that's my chore board. I said, What are chores? I want to do chores like you, you get stickers for chores. He said, yeah. He said, man, I make my bed and I take out the trash and I get a sticker for that day. He said, see, see all my stickers right here. And I'm like, man, you're really good at chores. Like I want to do chores. So I go home and I tell my mom, I want to do chores. She says, amen. Okay. All right, what, what chores do you want to do? I said, I don't know. I said, I think the way chores work is you get a poster board out. It's got to be colorful, and then we're going to make some lines on it, and it's only going to be me because my sister was much older by this chance, and I wouldn't let her be on my poster board. All right, so anyway, that's how I thought as a kid. I was wrong. I've repented since. All right, No. <laughs> and so on that poster board, and, and, and I said, you have to get colored stickers, and here's the deal. You, you tell me what you want me to do, Mom, and then we'll put the stickers on there. And so she said, "Okay, you, you want to make your bed? I, I can make my bed. Yeah." And she said, "You want to clean up your toys? I, I can clean up my toys." She said, "You want to take out? Tri-? Yeah, I'll do all those things." I was—I I didn't deny anything. I was so excited. So first week went by, man, a row of stickers. Second week, mm, three or four stickers. Third week, two stickers. Fourth week, done. Project over. <laughs> and we look back, and I'm like, "Mom." This seems so fun before, and, you know, the the stickers are getting old, and, you know, what was the point of that? It's it's not wrong, because if you have a poster board on your refrigerator right now with stickers, that's fine. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but the motivation for me doing all of those things is for the sticker. It's so that I could get the reward, and it was all about me, nothing of it was about why would I help out around the house? Why would I obey my parents? Why why do I need to obey my parents? All that was left out. My whole motivation was for the sticker. If your whole motivation is for the sticker, you're going to fall short. You're going to grow tired of it. And that's what we do. That's moralism. We get tired of going for the sticker. We have to understand why we do these things. It has to be so much more than just the works itself. If nothing wrong with giving awards. But if Christ is absent from the award ceremony, there's something wrong there. There's something seriously wrong. We can use it as a a teaching moment. Son, you did a great job by meeting my expectations this week. Thank you for doing all of your chores. But let me talk to you about someone else, our, our creator God. And he has an expectation. And it's not just about works, little Johnny. It's, it's about the work that Jesus did on the cross. You, you see? Use it as a teaching moment. It's not wrong to put standards within the home. So don't mishear me here. You know, I'm saying that, yes, your children should be responsible and that they should at least maybe make up their bed. You think? But we must teach them why. And understand ultimately... That it's not by our works that we're going to please God, but it's through the work of Jesus. The promise of life for obedience are not meant to build our self-confidence. They're meant to make us long for obedience. And then when we fall again, they're meant to crush us and drive us to Christ. From the book, Give Them Grace. Anybody saying, yeah, in a perfect world, Brian, this would work in a perfect world that I could take all these moments and teach them about Jesus. But in the moment, in the heat of the moment, I don't feel like sitting down and saying, okay, son, God created you, and you're a little sinner, and that's why you're being disobedient. Right? No, I don't want to do that. I just want to give them a spanking and be done with it. Like, that's what I'm thinking. There are moments when you have to stop yourself and ask yourself the question, why am I reacting this way, parents? Why are you reacting with the fury and the wrath and the frustration? We're going to talk about this more, but I want to let you know this, that when we're looking at this world in which Paul is writing to Ephesus and then to Colossae, these were filthy cities, immersed in goddess worship, temple prostitution, superstition, sorcery, abortion, infanticide, and child slavery. I mean, it was a terrible place. And he's said, "Do not provoke your children to wrath. Raise them up under the instruction of the Lord. This discipline that is spoken of, padeia, is to nurture, to educate, or train. The instruction, nousthesia, means a calling attention to, a mild rebuke, correction, a warning." And so there is discipline, there's a a nurturing, an education, a training, and also a warning that takes place. We are to daily proclaim the message of Jesus, to let every aspect of our parenting be grounded in the gospel message. Christian parent, our best efforts cannot save our children. God will save them in spite of our worst and best efforts discipline should point their eyes to Jesus. Do you get that? You can't walk around proud because all your children confess to know Jesus. You've done your part in discipling them, but it is God who brings salvation. We should not walk around proud or discouraged. And that's easy to say, right? But some of you, you're praying for your child's salvation. You're hoping that they will follow Jesus. But ultimately, it's just like anyone you would share the gospel with. You continue to feed and feed the gospel to them and hoping that it will take root in their lives. That's beyond your power to save your child. So we should take every day to teach them about Jesus. Every day. In all areas of life. It shouldn't be just left up to Sunday, Wednesday, should be every day of the week you're taking this opportunity to teach them the ways of Christ. We are not to be the Savior for our children. If so, we will be frustrated and constantly discouraged while we promote idolatry. What does that mean? That they live their lives to please you. Your children were not put on this earth to please you. They were put on this earth to please and to worship God Almighty. That's the first. If you leave God out and Jesus out, and it's all about you and obeying you and your standards, you're teaching your children idolatry. And you say, hey, you're going overboard here because, you know, they should respect their parents. Absolutely. They should obey us. Absolutely. But they should honor God first. Now, I understand you have a young child or an older child who's not a follower of Christ, and they don't get that. Continue to teach them about God and His love for them and His grace and His Son, Jesus. But ultimately, we fall into the submission of God, of Christ, because you cannot speak for your child as a mediator, and I've, I've talked with parents before. They'll bring little Johnny up, and they'll say, little Johnny wants to follow Jesus. Man, that's awesome, Johnny. Hey, Johnny, what is sin? And all of a sudden, the mom goes, well, sin is when, oh, hold on. Johnny, Johnny, what is sin? Hey, Johnny, what did Jesus do for Well, Jesus, hold on, Mom, hold on. I'm asking him. You see, you cannot speak for your children. You're not their mediator. Christ is the mediator for all of us who follow Jesus to come to the Father. So it's Christ who is the mediator. So one day, when you stand before God, you can't stand there for your children, too, and say, hey, I've got all these, too, God. They're, they're, they're with me. I used to love this memory. I, I love this memory and, and when my mom would order me. Uh, my food when we would go out. I mean, I think I was like to the age of 13, don't tell anybody, but like she would order food for me. And um, I was like terrified. I really was. I was terrified to go to a fast food establishment, walk up to the counter and say, yes, I would like a number one with, you know, uh, terrified. I mean, I didn't know why I was afraid, but she just always ordered for me. So that was okay. And I liked a plain cheeseburger. Okay. Plain cheeseburger. Um, and Without fail, almost every time I ordered a plain cheeseburger, or my mom ordered the plain cheeseburger for me, she'd lean out the window and say, I would like a plain cheeseburger, please. Ma'am, would you like any cheese on that? And my mom, she'd look at me and she'd always roll her eyes. She said, plain cheeseburger, plain cheeseburger. Okay, I've already said the cheese. Plain cheeseburger, nothing else on it, meat, cheese. And that's the way she ordered for me, well, about five days a week, because I love plain cheeseburger. So, but she would order for me. And she would step up for me. She would mediate for me. And, and I, was, I was so afraid to, to step up to the counter. One day, I was bold in the food court at the Macon Mall. And ever since then, life changed. Okay, but before then, she would have to stand up in order for me. Here's the thing. I've been a little silly here, but the, but the truth is, she, she cannot stand for me when I face judgment before God. She can't hey, I, I got him. I know, I know he's, he's a follower of Jesus. I know he got baptized and he told me all about it. And, and we talked about, he could, he could tell me everything. He's he saved, God. He's saved. And some of you children may think you're okay because your parents think you're Christians and they're telling you you're Christians because of your behavior and your lifestyle it can be further from the truth. It's all about what Christ has done for you. Your greatest need is that you would die to yourself and you rise up and follow Jesus parents, you cannot mediate for your children when it comes before God. We are not the definition of good. Jesus is. This is why Jesus is our mediator. So here's the deal. What frustrates us with our children and leading them is that our kids fail and they don't meet our righteous requirements. That frustrates us because we have a plan for them, and it may not be hey, a plan for your life, but just how they should behave each day. And when they don't behave that way, man, we get really upset at times. We say really smart things to them, make little comments to them that that take a hit at their character. And we say, You should know this by now. You know this doesn't make me happy. You know this is embarrassing the family, right? Get in the car now. Nothing wrong with telling a kid to get in, the car, get in the car. Nothing wrong with that. But embarrassing you, listen to yourself. Embarrassing, oh, it's about you? Teach the kid. Hey, son, when I'm, when I'm trying to tell you about obedience, it's because when you walk out into that street, there are cars who pass by. That car hits you. That's not good news, son. Take time to explain why you're disciplining them. The other day, I got frustrated with my son. It was late. He was playing around. We were trying to go to bed, and he said something. He did something so quick, and my reaction was just to pop him right there on the bottom. And he started crying, and I looked at my wife. I said, I was wrong for that, wasn't I? And she kind of gave me that look. And I said, I said, son, I'm sorry. Dad was wrong for that right there. You need discipline, but not like that. That was me reacting because you frustrated me. And my sons too, but I'm I'm telling them this right here. You're frustrating me. You're causing inconvenience in my life right now. Many times, check your motives, parents, of why you discipline your kids. Are you teaching them why they truly should obey? Romans 8, 3 and 4. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Your kids do not need a super perfect self-righteous parent that's never wrong. No, they need a loving and humble parent introducing them to a mighty Savior every day. Every day. He saved you. He can save them. You must speak of Jesus every day, parents. Every day, every day, take the opportunity to teach them about Jesus. You want them to obey? Teach them how obedience can be accessed through Jesus. And let them know, look, I know you're frustrated right now. I know you're mad at your brother right now because your heart right now is on overdrive and you're following the emotions of your heart, which is sinful. So I get that. You're not going to treat your brother that way. But here, look, I'm going to put you in timeout, but while we're in timeout, let me tell you something about Jesus. You say, hey, Brian, in a perfect world, look, this isn't a perfect world. We have a perfect Savior. You must introduce them to Him often. 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 You see, the gospel is for rule breakers and rule keepers. You get that? They're for rule breakers and rule keepers. You have some rule breakers as your children, little bitty prodigals running around, right? And then you have some rule keepers, some little Pharisees running around. You know? <laughs> you get frustrated with that little prodigal. That little Pharisee, you're pretty proud of them. And that little Pharisee, Man, that, that little Pharisee loves to tattle on the little prodigal all the time. And that little prodigal gets mad. That little prodigal don't, don't care. He's going to take vengeance against the Pharisee. And you have these types of kids. You, have little, you may be raising up little Pharisees that follow all the rules. And man, they poke their chest out. Man, they can quote scripture. Man, you're so proud of them. Man, let's give them a round of applause. Hey, Guess what my son did? He's so good. I fall to this, man. The other day I had some people come by the house and, and they were getting ready to leave and, and I introduced my kids to them and I said, son, now who made you? God did. That's right. Yeah. And, and why did God make you? Oh, to, to glorify him. Oh, yeah. Now, who's God's son? Jesus, you know? And I'm thinking, after I did that, I thought, why did I do that? Did I do that because I really am teaching my child at that moment? Or did I do that so the guys who were there would say, man, good parenting, dude, that's awesome. You're a kid, great theology, you know? I had to check my heart. Are we raising little Pharisees in the church? Are we teaching them how to be good without Jesus? something we all must evaluate. What's the motive for why we do what we do in training up our children? Is it in the ways of the Lord or is it in the ways of us? Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who were zealous for good works. How do we become zealous for good works? As his possession. It's always driven through Christ. So we train them with instruction and discipline of the Lord, of the Lord and in God's Ways Obedience is being able to stand under the righteous judge and to be declared good. And this is only through grace that this happens. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. You know, there is this question that comes up. So, so what do we do if I have a little prodigal, little Pharisee, and I'm raising teach them the one good story. There's one good story and you hold it in your hands, it's the Bible. You teach them that one good story. So let's look at some application for a moment. Because the point here, if you're not getting it, is that your discipline must filter through Christ. Everything that you teach them, plainly said, filters through Christ. So then you say, well, what's right? How how do we know? Look, your way of raising your children in your home may not look the same to your neighbors. And both of you can be following Christ. In one home, you may have a rule that when they get teenagers, uh, they they can't go on dates until they're 16 or 18 or 21 or 30, okay? Whatever it may be. You're different across the board. But you may say, hey, in this household, we can watch PG-13 movies, The Karate Kid Part 1 and 2. And in this household, no, we cannot watch PG-13 movies. We're only watching PG movies. So what happens when Tommy goes over to his neighbor's house and they're watching The Karate Kid Part 2, which was on yesterday, that's why I said that, and they're watching it, and he's saying, hold on, my parents say, no, I'm I'm not supposed to watch this. You're going to have to teach him what to do in that moment because he can't go over to that person's house and say, no, this is wrong. You better teach him why it's wrong. Are you training him up to be a little Pharisee to go tell someone over here how they should live their life? Let him stand on his convictions. Why are you telling him that? You know what, Your, your child may go over to that house... And there may be a, they may watch Star Wars. Star Wars is only said nothing wrong with Star Wars. You say, I don't like the violence. Okay. So anyway, they come back to the house and, and you begin to talk about Star Wars and say, Hey, I watched this movie called Star Wars. Well, son, tell me about Star Wars. What, what was it all about? Oh, there was a dark character. Tell me about this dark character. Okay. Let's compare this to the one good story. Let's evaluate it to the one good story. You get it to the gospel. Everything in their lives, compare it to the one good story, bring it back to God's Word. They're going to learn many things, many things out in the public. They're going to learn many things in school. Things they're going to hear, things that they're going to see walking down the hallway, and things that come out of the mouths of people. And they're going to come home and say, I heard this today. Hey, let's compare this to the one good story. Everything filters through Christ. Christ. If you just set up a bunch of rules, and look, you did not hear me just say that it's wrong that your kid can't watch PG-13 movies. You can walk out of here and you say that. You didn't hear me correctly. You're going to set standards for your home, and you uphold those, but also teach your kid to live in this world. What does that look like? And how do they hold everything to the one good story so that they don't always have to call mom or dad and say, hey, what am I supposed to do here? Teach them the gospel so that it's alive in them so that they are led by the Holy Spirit to make wise decisions. Teach your children. When we're dealing with parenting, there's so many things that we could cover today, but we're going we're to close with this. The habit of rising to the occasion. And this, if you walk away with this today, just to rise to the occasion, to teach your children Jesus. Dads, teach your children Jesus. Moms, teach your children Jesus. Learn the Bible. You may say, I don't know where to start. Start here. Start in a community group. Get get plugged into where you can study Scripture and then teach your children. Just take what you learn and teach them. That's a great start. You don't have to be a theologian to get this. So if you're discouraged right now, you're like, I would really like to teach them God's Word, but I don't know much of God's Word. Start learning it. And everything you learn, you you feed on to your kids. You pass it on. But rise up to the occasion. Oswald Chambers, I love from time to time just reading a devotion from his, and this was the other day, taken from Ephesians 1.18, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Remember that you have been saved so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your body. Direct the total energy of your powers so that you may Achieve everything your election as a child of God provides. Rise every time to whatever occasion may come your way. You did not do anything to achieve your salvation, but you must do something to exhibit it. You must work out your own salvation, which God has worked in you already. Are your speech, your thinking, and your emotions evidence that you are working it out? If you are the same miserable, grouchy person set on having your way, then it is a lie to say that God has saved and sanctified you. God is the master designer and he allows adversities into your life to see if you can jump over them properly. By my God, I can leap over a wall, Psalm 1829. God will never shield you from the requirements of being his son or daughter. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Rise to the occasion. Do what the trial demands of you. It does not matter how much it hurts as long as it gives God the opportunity to manifest the life of Jesus in your body. May God not find complaints in us anymore, but spiritual vitality, a readiness to face anything He brings our way. The only proper goal of life is that we manifest the Son of God, and when this occurs, all our dictating of our demands to God disappears. Our God never dictated demands to His Father, and neither are we to make demands of God. We are here to submit to his will so that he may work through us what he wants. Once we realize this, he will make us broken bread and poured out wine with which to feed and nourish others. Broken bread, poured out wine. Jesus was broken and poured out on the cross, so that we could have life more abundantly. So that we could meet the righteous requirements of the Father. This is the only way to follow what is good. This is what we must teach our children. If we try to teach our children what is good, apart from Christ, we set them up to fail, and we set them up For damnation. Serious words. Parents, do not provoke your children to anger by holding an unrealistic goal for them to reach apart from Christ. Teach them Jesus. Teach them salvation in Christ and Christ alone. This is their only hope. It's our only hope. It's my only hope through Christ. And Christ alone. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I feel like we only kind of touched the tip of the iceberg of of everything we could cover today when it comes to parenting. That's because we have, but Father, that at the heart of it, there's Christ. Father, there comes times for us to discipline our children as your word so commands us to. Father, for they do not understand at that moment why they do what they do. Lord, it's all part of the process of us teaching and training them in righteousness. May the goal of us raising our children, Father, not be for our glory, but for your glory. Father, I pray that we take in your word today, that we go back and we read in Ephesians God, that we would be parents this week that would honor you in, in all of our decision-making and in the standards that we place before our children. Lord, I pray for the parents here today that are, are really striving to raise their, their kids in a godly fashion in the midst of ungodliness all around and the struggle inside the home. Father, I pray for wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit among them. Father, I pray for the parents right now who have given up They've given up on their kids. They're frustrated. They don't know what else to do. They feel like they've lost all. Type of leadership, responsibility over them. All communication. Lord, I pray that there would be healing. God, you can do this work. Father, I ask that there would be healing through Jesus. Father, I pray for the family that sets high standards and is very proud of their high standards. God, that they would not be proud in and of themselves, but Lord, that they would humbly submit themselves to you to make sure that all that they do is is truly for you and not for themselves. God, this is how we understand life. This is how we live it to the fullest. This is how we have obedience. So Father, may we take this challenging message today and apply it to our lives. As we're all bowed, heads bowed at this time, I'll just ask you if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you, you want to know more about following Jesus, to have abundant life, it's, it's through Christ. All of us give an account before God one day when we pass from this life into eternity, before we're even in heaven or hell, we, we give an account before God. Are you a follower of Jesus today? Are you confident in that if you're not, the simple question, if you're not confident that you're a follower of Jesus, at this time we have pastors in the back counselors that would love to talk with you. I mean, you can get up right now if you want to, or when the music plays, come back and talk to us because that is the most important. We can tell you more about following Jesus. If you're here today and, and you desire membership here at Perimeter Road, you, you've loved coming and, and being a part, I invite you to, to sign up for the membership class June 22nd. You can see that in your bulletin. You can drop that in the offering plate. i love to talk to you more about membership if you have more questions. If you're here and... And your parent, and this is really weighing heavy on your heart today, what you've heard. Maybe you don't agree with it all. Maybe there's something you have issues with, whatever it may be. We, we make ourselves available, but also if there's brokenness in your heart, a reality, a light has been cut on, that you would come and that you would pray before the Lord. You take this time to pray and, and seek him, that you submit these things to him. So we're here for you to, to help how we can. At this time, we're going to continue to, to worship through song. So, so you move as God so leads you. Father, we sing to you. We love you. We thank you for this time. Work in power in Jesus' name. Amen.